0: G'day everybody, welcome to Wombat Radio. Today we're in the office of Legs on the Wall, oh. graciously. And um, I've just grabbed Gavin after rehearsals, Gavin Weber. Hi, Gavin. Hi, i
1: Matt.
0: So first things first, what are you busy with? I figure living, living in Europe for a while, you're actually familiar with being
1: busy with something. <laughs> Different kinds of busy, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Um, at the moment, busy with, well, being here in Sydney and working on, working on the show with Rachel Swain. Um, in the red box which is why we're at legs do you want to, um, it looks like you want to lean back we yeah, I do, do want to that. lean Let's back I want to get a little comfy, yeah, comfy. actually um, so and it's it. kind of multiple projects at the moment because uh, now we're running a company called Farm based on the Doc Gold company dot company that's yeah. the website <laughs> <laughs> it's not a company it's it well it's a weird actually is it a company that's already a good question what what actually makes a company mm. because we've got now we got some organizational funding from awesome uh, from the Gold Coast City Council which means that we uh we're triennial, triennially funded that's yeah. quite hard to say um, but it was three annually. If you <laughs> <laughs> we've got three-year funding, Great. Um, and that gives us some stability. But it's only we don't have it from Arts Queensland or Australia Council, yeah. and so really, it's just enough to kind of keep us doing some to stuff. And we've been, else. yeah, and to be able to invest in making some uh-huh. stuff happen um, without having to totally tell your friends, no, we have to wait. Um, until we find out from the funding body whether this project can go ahead. We can kind of guarantee a little bit more that this project can go ahead. Um, But is it always the thing that you're, like you said, investing, that means you're making,
0: like you're putting work in for the future, always.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do have, I mean, there's a thing, I mean, we're making a new company, so we've been constantly trying to imagine what that company could be um and how it should operate and trying to do it differently as well Mm -hmm. um and there's so much that company when to make a company i guess that can get invested in the infrastructure of that company and we really decided from the beginning we would spend every cent we could on art and other artists um which is a great kind of thing when you think about it over a few beers, and, really <laughs> <laughs> and then and then, you then really you want some infrastructure, don't you? You Really do need a little. You bit want of infrastructure. a desk or yeah. some
0: internet or something, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: or an operations manager, uh, oh. Julia. Um, and so, but there is a question like, what actually? When does it become a company? Because really, we don't have enough money to really be a company. So we're yeah. kind of like an independence as well doing you know still relying on getting our project money so we can make a show but people start to see you as a company or you know there's a very interesting point where you tip over I guess into this idea of being a company and what does that mean is that all about infrastructure for us the farm is actually just our body of work so if we For instance, if we stop getting that money from the Gold Coast, it doesn't mean the farm no longer exists. Mm. The farm is the work. Mm. And the farm is kind of uh, a symbol of the way that we make work as well, I guess, in collaboration. And the feeling we hope that everybody feels invested in and that they are part of the farm and a part of that work and they kind of own it themselves.
0: So have you been through a few different structures we have liked
1: oh this thing that we thought we just did the quicker structure we could find <laughs> which was actually um that we were we're a profitable company we're not a not-for-profit
0: yeah because um, then you don't
1: need a no board, board. And you don't need public. Yeah, no um, board there's only Grayson and, and myself Grayson Millwood and myself we're both uh, co-directors so we actually take all the like basically the risk i guess is the legal way of putting it so if it goes belly up we're the ones who kind of suffer i guess um but it was just the simplest thing we could do that was the main reason for choosing it because if we really didn't we had less interest in the idea of what the company was at first than the idea of continuing to make work um and get going making work and we wanted to define the company by the work we made not by the marketing we did for it or um yeah, the infrastructure of the company that that we really felt like we needed the work to speak, and that was partially, I guess, because we just arrived back in Australia too, so it was like let's yeah. start making some shows.
0: Yeah, and you hadn't been reindoctrinated by no. the
1: Australian like
0: m- maximum return kind of <laughs> <clears throat> mentality. Well,
1: we did. I mean, watching there has been a lot of uh, you can see in Australia. There's been a lot of investment made. In infrastructure yeah. for companies um, even to the point where you know like none of uh, the only artistic wage is for the artistic director of the company all the rest of it's going into kind of the team the office team and so on and none of it's there's nothing left to spend on a project or to engage other mm-hmm. artists okay. that's quite it's not uncommon in Australia for that to kind of happen or hasn't been in the past. And so there was a position we took where we felt we it would be really valuable to go in the completely opposite direction at first. And that's the choice we made. And then we suffered for it. <laughs> 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 and then we hired, we kind of learned as we went along. And now we're considering what is uh, the company structure that we want because actually for Arts Queensland, if we want to go for organisation funding yeah. for the company, we... Um, actually, need to be a not-for-profit, so we need to reconsider mm. some things. Um, but mm-hmm. that's yeah, that's all company talk. And
0: so, if your company, if the farm mm. company, not company, is um, <laughs> defined by the work, mm. but the work is not like it's public image, but it's the amalgamation of all the existing projects that the people who become a part of the farm. Yeah that's sort of like a little black hole kind of situation like it's, of gravity.
1: Yeah, it's a bit endless. And in yeah. fact, we, you know, we talk about it. We didn't want to use collective because everyone kind of had collective. We came up with network. <laughs> and then we start to feel a bit like Illuminati or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. Um your phone. Um, yeah, so we had, we had this idea of a kind of, of, and we actually made a page of friends and guests of farmers, you know. Oh, yeah. Of, um, and you're on there, aren't you? No, I don't we think so. put you on there. All right. We ha- <laughs> yeah. And we did, we invited, and we've got people on there that actually we've worked with on other things, you know, mm, who mm, live yeah. in America or are uh, still in Germany um, or whatever. I mean, actually, there's no plans that the farm is working with them in any particular capacity. They're just artists that we respect and that we feel close to. And if we had the opportunity would work with and they were also happy to be put on as a farmer so there was a kind of mutual feeling of shared I guess um uh fascinations and so on that we kind of had with these other artists as well as people then that when we do work with them we're like okay can we get a a photo from you so we can put you up as one of the farmers so there is but it kind of gets this point where okay where do you draw a line what is Are you a member of the farm what does that mean Um, and we don't want to i guess devalue it entirely that everybody is a farmer and it has some kind of overarching universality or something but um so we want it to have some kind of value but also we want it to be inclusive at the same time
0: is there well wow inclusive with a, a standard (laughs) <laughs> yeah.
1: Which I which I say
0: because I'm fine to sit with yep. that phrase because a a project I recently did about called Dance Together that book yeah. that you're reading which was about how can dancers by the standard that you have an itch and a desire to mm. dance um, how can they get together and dance but you need to beat a certain uh, standard that it. That you are still making it possible for others to do that thing mm. because there's a inclusivity can be really exclusive for people who are high, like at, not at the lowest common denominator yep. of yep. Um, experience or training or
1: yep. interest,
0: even or sensitivity.
1: And it, how do you predict then? The next question would be how do you predict or evaluate? when someone is ready yeah. or at yeah. the right level. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And Predict, I think, is kind of a interest the most interesting one, Absolutely. in a way. Because yes. uh, so many times I've seen... And actually, when I taught at the universities and stuff, um, or made a show there, I really loved it when someone would completely surprise me, like, that I had already evaluated and felt, oh, yeah, okay, you don't like what I'm doing, or or it doesn't suit you or whatever it is. Um, and then suddenly you see them, I don't know, learn something you never expected them to learn. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, and that's where, I mean, there's that kind of idea of encouraging also is then part of that. Like, do you encourage or do you draw a line? And then, yeah, I think it's, it's a really interesting question of, and I mean, I've always kind of been invested in, the idea of encouraging people and seeing what they have and Ooh. actually it's it, well actually now you've got me talking about this it's interesting <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna go on because i think there's a point where it's like okay what is talent too and what is yeah. the idea of dance even yeah. um and to yeah. see someone who invests totally in their own body and what yeah. they have to say yeah. do they need training necessarily for a start is that is that the kind of the cutoff mark mm-hmm. um and yeah and maybe sometimes I mean it goes back to even working with Wim and Ultima Vers when I first went to Belgium after being in Australia and I didn't realize how trained I had become or mm-hmm. that when I was with Meryl we considered ourselves I don't know like we were the dance theater people <laughs> of Australia. It was like, you know and we kind of had this thing that we weren't very technical Uh, and then we went into it in europe and i remember telling that to someone who was with maggie moran and he's like no you guys are like really super technical company um and it really surprised me and then when i landed in europe i kind of saw what what they meant that there was uh there's a training in australia which is still really um technical and even classically based still uh, even in a lot of contemporary it's still there and when i went and i remember the f- doing the audition for ultima Vez and there were hundreds of people and we did a class of learning other people someone's material um, maybe in yakis or something and i felt like oh, yeah, i am all over this because i could learn really well <laughs> someone else's material yeah. and i thought oh, yeah. i'm really i'm one of the best here i'm going to do well <laughs> and then Um, And I was (laughs) like, oh, there's a lot of them, but they're not that good. That Uh, was my first... uh, One of those skills. And then we came to improvisation of your own way of moving. And I'd never seen people move like this before, and I couldn't believe it. And people who had struggled in learning someone else's material in class, Mm. they knew how their own body moved and what Mm. it could say, Mm. and it was so individual and they... Exploded. It was really there was a room full of people doing crazy shit, um, and it was like there was an encouragement there of being yourself, as opposed to learning technique and trying to achieve someone else's mm. kind of desires. Um, and I think that still maybe is. I mean, I think obviously Australia's, um, and I hate doing and I can't help it, but you always do this comparison thing. Um, but there, there can be more investment in this individuality um, than sometimes uh, we get through our training
0: yeah the training the skills that are missed is the skill to listen to other mm. bodies and to your own body and mm. the skill of um, <clears throat> somehow because you were just talking about the skill of Regurgitating what has been given to you.
1: Mm. Which, which is... is uh, it is a great skill. It's an incredible
0: skill. And then to be able to do it so that even if the person you learnt it from, it's boring as shit on them. It's mm. become something on you. Yeah. That's then another level of that skill. Yeah. But to know what it is for something to become something and to know when something is something or when something is not anything. Yeah. And you're just uh, feeling space and taking up air. How do you know that when you're making or when you're working with people, you're talking about encouraging people and mm. talking about where's the standard? Because you would know what to yep. what to disregard yeah, what to hold on to and what to fight for.
1: Um, I think part of it... Hello. Hello. How
0: are you guys going? Hi, Leanne. Hi, Leanne. I just... I stole Gav after the yeah.
1: sort of do a little podcast with him. and <laughs> we decided to use your office. Cause Just because it, it was because warm. It's warm and nice. <laughs> no, it's
0: lovely, isn't yeah.
1: it? Um, okay, you're going to have to remind me of the question again. Uh, uh, Yeah, the question is, how do you know when you're in a
0: studio making, when you've got something or when you've got nothing? How do you know when someone's giving you their individuality
1: (laughs) as a performer when it is something and when it
0: is not yet something? Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I think you have this thing. I mean, as a director, I think, or when... when, Not even, I don't like to use the word director because I think it's kind of... it Yeah. Um, Within the room and you're the outside person. Mm -hmm. Okay, say that. You're the outside person and... uh, you have this thing about how much do you try and control? How much do you let go? And then are you doing the job? How much do you feed? And how much do you allow to happen? And it's like, I think actually it's, you can never learn what is the right, because actually you need to be adjusting all the time. And it's a constant kind of feeling. I know that um, I will, uh, I want the person to feel like they've discovered whatever it is themselves or to be invested in that discovery I think that that's important because somehow if not they don't have ownership of it they don't get that burst of adrenaline when they find it Mm. Um, Mm. so even if I know what I'm after very particularly yeah. often I will try and find a way to give them the information that doesn't feel like yeah. I'm giving them but the also information
0: it's a, it's a cascade because as soon yeah. as they have made a discovery
1: yes. that's on the trek that
0: you want your discovery to be on then they're on the same trajectory that yeah. you're on and yeah. they can make subsequent discoveries that you never
1: would have thought yeah, of Exactly, um, and it's yeah and I mean if you know I work a lot with partnering um obviously as you well know um so and I find that I mean partnering there's a point where you do just want to kind of step out because you're going to get in the way if it's rolling between two people or whatever three people and they're starting to work from inside it sometimes from outside you're sha- going to help shape it but actually there's a point where once it's rolling in a certain direction yeah. you really, I remember Wim actually saying to us and like basically getting a bit frustrated with us about something one day and just saying he just wanted to us to kind of get the point in that we were telling him to fuck off so we could keep busy with what we were busy with yeah. Um, and yeah I totally see that you want that the people to grab it and run with it. You, and that you're not having to constantly mm. feed. You're trying to start the car all the time. At a certain point, <laughs> you just want that car to roll. So how do you get it rolling in the right direction? Yeah, well, that's what I think you're shaping and also you're trying to work out when do you come into that yeah, equation. Yeah. And I think it's like um, you're constantly you sorting it. I came out. in on one thing, Alice and I were on a roll, yeah. and then there was something that we didn't work out.
0: And you came in and learnt it off me yeah what i was trying to do and then did it backwards <laughs> right and then that me seeing you do it backwards gave yeah. me the information that i needed to yeah, execute
1: right. it oh, sound really cleverly oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i think yeah, yeah I, I mean it's that thing i have i guess a whole lot of tricks to do it that i've learned over time actually when you ask me what they are i've got no idea <laughs> it's a little bit like that idea of when people used to ask what your process is and I'm, i have this question of like i was always like i don't know if we have one mm. like splinter group and or oh, the farm what's our process and sometimes a bit like don't know but actually it's very clear we do have one we've just never particularly articulated and because every time you start a new thing it's going to be different yeah, yeah, so yeah. your process has to adapt maybe it's about know.
0: how broad you because ultimately the process should be inspiration to the point of being compelled to make or Mm. craft some kind of experience that somebody else can sit in because any anything else, any other way of communicating to them would just be a description of the thing, rather than them having the experience.
1: Yeah. And And if you're and I guess you want each show that you make to be unique and to really respond to the material of mm -hmm. what you're trying to say Mm -hmm. as the most important thing and that's yeah. the driving force. So yeah. if you have the same process yeah. then you're going to produce the same material to a certain degree. Yeah. Even if the people are different and you stick to the same process, it's gonna have um some similarity. Um and I guess so we would try and adapt to the work each time.
0: Um, How do you balance your like obvious uh through line of interest yeah. and physical biases yeah. with novelty?
1: um because partly I, through working i think i think it's really important that you keep changing to a certain extent the influences in the room yeah and that yeah, perfect really. thing and you were the fresh influence when you came fresh <laughs> because <laughs> when we did remember me um we had such a group of people had been together for like at dance north possibly they they had been together for a long time yeah. um and uh, you came in, and you were the catalyst for a lot of uh, the sparks of new things because that group—they knew we knew each other too well a little bit—and um, so there is a. They did some ratio. I saw it was based on musicals. I think in America, where they had a ratio of collaboration. You know, everyone loves yeah, to draw right. a graph, so they had a graph of what the perfect collaboration was, um, which was the the experience and familiarity versus new influences um and they tried to work out what was the perfect blend because if you have oh yeah i've got it um Seth just told me to throw it (laughs) don't say that good night (laughs) um yeah that. (laughs) if you have too much if everybody knows each other too well it can also stagnate or you start to do they knew what i liked so then they might For instance, produce the things that they know very that are going to a process really lives up to its name of process, which is that you're going through the
0: steps to achieve the product. Yes, so you can ship it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I'm having it's an interesting question at the moment. I'm having with the idea of process and how valuable process, I guess, has been. I've never really considered it as being. What's the more important thing, I guess, you know, like uh, the process versus the outcome. And that if your mind is on the outcome, you shift the process just to achieve the outcome. Mm. Often the outcome itself then gets limited because of that. And actually this investment in process and to know what that is, um, or not even knowing what that is, but certainly investing not in the outcome at the beginning I guess and how you manage all of those kind of things I find is I'm finding really interesting and um, and I think it's also tied a little bit into how what we're driven by in making work what is that well yeah it's a very good question (laughs) no it's a huge question and because of the farm sometimes I know that it can affect you because you're there we're making a company I'm so invested in this company because it's like our dream from, you know, like to have our own company and to have have it somewhere warm. Yeah. And to (laughs) to live on the beach (laughs) and all those. Yeah. And, but actually because of that, you start to, it's very easy to start to think what's good for the company, what's good for the company. um, And then you're starting to get in that train where you're making, you might make, start to think about the work you want to make, what it's going to achieve, you know, as on leverage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On And is it going to tour? Is it going to be successful? Yeah, and those right. questions that start to come in and actually they're a terrible way. I still believe they're, yeah. they're a terrible way to make art and to it's almost uh, like you should not
0: trust your own answers. Yeah. So if you're, if you're busy with, okay, what is the thing that we need to produce so that we can gain the trust and legitimacy so that yeah. we can leverage that to then do the thing that we care yeah. about. Um, you've got to believe that even if you do the thing that you think you need to do f- to play that game, you're wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. And
0: actually you can't possibly do it. Um,
1: I'm so. a, also a great believer in serendipity mm. so that you... That, I mean, for instance, we just made Frankenstein, mm. um, a children's show like with magic tricks in it and so on and um we made it but actually it was because Grayson and I because we have both got kids now Grayson's been making children's shows and it was like let's make a children's show together like let's see what it's like to make a children's show together um and then we we kind of I met Daniel Monks who's a disabled actor based in Sydney or Melbourne um, Sydney I think mm. and uh, at the corner and then suddenly we talked about what would it be like if he was the doctor if he was Dr. Frankenstein making mm. these hyper able-bodied monsters cool you know to fulfil his desires to mm. be accepted and and actually all this process came out and then there was a realisation that and got we end up getting it, we were funded by Australia Council and Arts Queensland for it um, because actually the application wrote itself yeah um and it could look like you'd chosen some of those, you know, working with kids, um, working in disabilities. You could think uh, from outside that they are ticking a lot of boxes, all those things. But actually, it was a serendipitous thing. But you could recognise that um, that uh, that they were going to be attractive, you know, mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And then, but the choice to actually go there and to make that work happened. Organically and happen by itself from kind of the right reasons, I think, from us. Um, and so there is that kind of responding to what you're making and realizing. But then mm-hmm. actually, the idea that you want to make a piece based around chickens that produce eggs and then you want to crack the eggs on your body and smear them all over yourself. And then, <laughs> like, actually, if you've got that compulsion to do it, but you're like, you're, it's not marketable it's no reason not to make the chicken piece because I think the chicken piece, if it's if it's, kind of fulfilling something for you as an artist and yeah. it may progress the next piece, which maybe yeah. you leave the chickens behind in the next piece, and <laughs> you move on and yeah. suddenly... Maybe
0: no one sees the chicken yeah. piece. Or but... everyone sees it and it's exactly what everyone wanted, but they didn't know they wanted <laughs> they it. They didn't know
1: it at the time. Yeah. I mean, you have this great question that they used to ask in Germany, which um, I always think about. And it took me a while to realise what they were talking about because people wouldn't talk to you about the show necessarily. They wouldn't say, you know, so how's how, you know, is this show uh, working or not working? Often the question would be about how does this show fit into your body of work? Mm -hmm. And it was after a while I just realised, oh, man, that's such a relaxing question. Yeah, not everyone's a make or break. No, not everyone's a make or break. You can go off onto some weird tangent because you need to, and then maybe it will it will feed back in. It's it's about investigation and mm. um, and yeah, there's yeah. some trust in the artist rather than their product. Yeah, yeah, and that they have and a, the journey that they're yes, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah, also yeah. means that you're on a kind of life journey, which is like Patti Smith, you know. Mm. Right? You're, you know she takes she writes well, her books are incredible actually she writes books, she takes Polaroid photos she make, happens to make music she happened to make a lot of money making music but actually for her the Polaroids are as important to her mm. as the books or the music or none of it's yeah. different, it's all for her it's all just work and it's all life um, and it's all just her journey and there's something that's very those things you sometimes have to remind yourself about. What's you the get, other stuff that you do? Like the other stuff that I if do. You were, oh, um, I write. Weber. I mean. That uh, hasn't, you know, hasn't yeah. made you rich yet. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, I love writing, and I don't do enough of it. I did get really. I got obsessed by... And I did basically write a book and then it's somewhere on a computer and I never really, you know, like... And uh, I got completely obsessed by that. And I love it and I think it's one of the things that makes me happiest to do. Often now I kind of don't give myself the time to do it or I feed it into, like, writing stupid things for the farm, like little kind of stupid newsletters or whatever because it's satisfying. Um, And I, I also, I like photography for the same reason but actually I find that digital cameras can kill it a little Mm. bit like your love of photography because it's too easy so I'm struggling with that one at the moment going do I need to just go back to film camera and kind of so you only take 24 shots and then you have to wait to develop them and all that kind of Um, so yeah Uh, the other one for me I guess uh, what's creative I uh, Used to be cooking, but now I have a child, and you lose cooking a little bit because it's just like whatever the hell he'll eat. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow, yeah, somehow that's gone a little by the wayside. I think. I mean, fortunately, um, I'm still I still invested in all the aspects of being in the room, in the rehearsal room. I still kind of find mm. all of those things satisfying to me. So I want to demonstrate for you something that I've seen myself do
0: and I've seen Josh do. You're watching a section, you've made up with the dancers, you're the outside person, but to watch it really effectively you have to cross your legs and then cross your arms and then kind of put your face in your hands and kind of lock everything off just so that you can watch it. Why is that? Why does that happen? I've it's seen like you do this. I do it. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're in a
1: straitjacket, no? It
0: it's must like, be something it's about... like you've tr- been on the floor with those yeah. dancers and now to be able to watch it,
1: yeah. you need to somehow be... Totally shutting off your own body. Yeah, so that you're yeah. not
0: uh, deceiving yourself by memory empathy or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, when you do it, it looks like totally someone trying to put themselves in their own mind and mm. not in their body at all. Yeah. Actually, it's like, is. yeah, totally like you're just a head. <laughs> um, yeah. But maybe it is that thing about not wanting to be sucked into the body's response mm. and to take yourself physically out of it so you're watching it from a different way. You enjoy rehearsing people. Um, long silent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I do. Actually, I, I still get a buzz from this kind of sense of... Well, actually, I do get a buzz from encouraging people and mm. seeing them discover. I kind of... I, I like the teacher angle. And, and actually, I lost a little bit the teacher. Um, it's a, it's a funny... Well... It's a funny transaction. I used to drive, I think, as a teacher from, a, from a, a physical energy and mm. I would push, and I was a teacher that would be, that would drive the class from inside and to yeah. experience yeah. it myself and take people on that journey with me. That was yeah. kind of what motivated me. That, that impacts you yeah. and makes you need to dance. Yes, And then you try and infect yes. everybody with that. And then suddenly I became self-conscious of, of being, of where my body was and that basically I couldn't really go into the same world that I used to, um, because I'm 50 now, I can't, I can't physically go into that same classroom in exactly the same way. Um, I can, I might have little purple patches, (laughs) but there's too many times if I'm teaching, you know, if I was teaching a workshop over a week by day three, I'm suddenly I'm hammered. I, I can't necessarily do it. Um, so then it was and there was a big shift and I'm still undergoing that shift to work out okay what is it I still have to teach Um, and where does it come from Mm. and I know that there's uh, I'm very I feel very conscious that there is a lot that I still have to teach I'm still working out how I teach now is I guess um, the thing and I think there's a little you get a little as you get older you do get a little kind of body shame like um where now i mean you know i used to always teach a lot of floor work and all that kind of stuff and now often there's people i just can't do it necessarily in the same way or there's things that i know that i should be really good at that i'm not necessarily as Mm. good at anymore Mm. or yeah so
0: but then you must also be working on this thing where you tell the dancers that are training with you yeah. to find out how their body does the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then you're not giving yourself that same yes. space. Yes. Well, we never treat ourselves as well as we treat other <laughs> people, <laughs> do we? Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's... Uh, I mean, it's all the battle of the ego that... Uh, do you, you think Iñaki
0: has body shame?
1: Oh, I think he went, he went through a period where uh i think he really hurt himself he's got a pretty he's always been really strong and driven and motivated he was always a much more uh a teacher who was really tough you Mm. know on his students i think you know he has that basque style um so yeah so but what makes it okay for inyaki is that he's right in there
0: with you when he's doing that yeah totally totally That's what I noticed.
1: I I, I kind of, I often, I haven't seen him, and I haven't seen him in class for so long.
0: Yeah,
1: I basically haven't seen him teach a class since he taught us when we were, you know, touring and stuff. So that's a long time ago. Um, So yeah, I don't know how. And I was with David. Uh, Zambrano in uh, just last year in India doing these workshops. It was with David and Laura and one of the Slovak Slovaks, I can't remember his name. All these professional, like they're, they're full-time teachers, Full, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. actually David would hate to hear that because <laughs> he hates you get boxed as a teacher and then yeah. nobody buys your work as a creator and all this. But uh, and there I kind of, I felt like I didn't I didn't teach well enough because I was trying to teach like I used to teach thinking that's what they wanted from me hmm. um, trying to teach like Ultima Vez trying to teach like I, when I first started teaching at Impostance, um, not adapting to where I was now and yeah, being right. invested and thinking which is funny because actually the whole world has moved on yeah I know But why wouldn't you st- I yeah exactly you still. and I've moved on quite <laughs> you've clearly. moved on so um, everyone's moved on but except not I the think, permission yes yeah it's about that yeah and I mean, you have to be, you have to have clarity in what you're teaching. You have to, in your yeah. own self. It doesn't necessarily mean always clarity in, I know exactly how to teach this in what this word that I say that means exactly what I want it to mean. Yeah. That kind of clarity, no, I don't necessarily think, but you know what's motivating you to teach that mm-hmm. class. Mm-hmm. And that motivation's obviously had to change. So I'm kind of, I'm in an interesting place with it where I'm. I like the fact that I'm a little bit like, okay, where now? And I know a lot of it comes now for me with what keeps me going physically as well, which is the some of the Qigong work I've done and this energetic state that mm. to come into work from mm. um, that actually I use all the time personally and as a performer. And I think that's actually more interesting now to teach. Yeah, it's what
0: is... What is the practice that yeah. enables you, yeah, and then how can you share that yeah. practice because that's obviously the practice that is required, yeah for some people, yeah I usually just start with the making like igniting the desire, the need, the impulse, the like being compelled to dance, yeah, and then I try and lay down instincts that means that you can really throw yourself around and not die, yeah. Because yeah. for me, it's, the, <clears throat> it's no different to when I'm in the shower or when the right song is on or whatever, and some, like the singer goes for that note, and then you want to go for that note, mm. and you feel the same. Yep. It just doesn't sound the same. Yep. Which is fine when you're singing, you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> you
1: can tear your vocal cords. Oh, yeah, it's true. You can do it. Like Bonnie Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but then she became famous with the torn vocal cords. See, the After things the that we think that we don't want. I know, Her voice got all raspy and suddenly everyone liked it. Yeah, and then people started emulating
0: it, like teenage
1: girls. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And tearing their vocal cords. Well, Tom Waits actually shouted into a pillow for... That's how he got that gravel, Ah. because he didn't want... He wanted to sound like those old blues men and stuff, so he screamed and screamed into pillows. At least that's one of the myths of Tom Waits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's also probably all the whiskey and cigarettes, but...
0: Is there... Are there people like...
1: So these old blues guys and that for weight. So there, are people
0: like that for you.
1: Ah, uh, uh, in terms of inspirations, or yeah, I mean there always are. As a, I mean I'm usually actually mostly inspired by the people I work with. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that, pretty um, lucky. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of exchange that happens between yeah the group and again it's coming back to what's in the room and mm. stuff and it feels like that's mm, mm. that's the most important thing and it yeah. it's actually the grounding thing and it's why i kind of haven't left the stage yet too <laughs> even though like there's probably enough people who thought okay old fella you time to, <laughs> to move on you but, know but actually then we just made a show about that yeah. <laughs> with josh and yeah so somehow there's a craft of assembling the work
0: but before that even begins there's a craft of curating the right things into the room yeah and then being open enough to make what that will result in rather than still what you had hoped (laughs) it would result in
1: well actually i mean this comes back to that question of process and um because when we started cockfight kate and i had just come back to australia we're about to have our son um and we it was actually kate who came up with an idea that Josh and I should do a work together we should be in a show together um, and we she talked about the idea of Icarus and this kind mm-hmm. of in Daedalus and Daedalus because as you know like the heroic part of Icarus and Daedalus where you know Daedalus um, who's the father build has built the labyrinth then they get trapped or they get put in the labyrinth and then he makes the wings out of wax and feathers and then icarus you know who's a bit of a dickhead flies too close to the sun but Daedalus makes it back to the island whatever yeah, yeah. island it was but there's a whole second part to that story where he's a famous inventor dedalus mm. right um, mourning the death of his son yeah. and then he has a nephew who becomes a more famous inventor mm. and he pushes the nephew off a cliff so <laughs> so we were kind of like, okay, that's a really interesting story. But then we came back and we started talking to Josh about making it. And then we talked to Julian from Norpa and he said, well, come down and use their rehearsal room. And we just, we actually started making that show, Cockfight, without any money before mm-hmm. we got funded. Because we were just invested in making that show and doing... And having that time together again, and we didn't know exactly what it was we were doing, so we just started doing hour-long improvs and filming them and seeing what came out of that. And half the shows come out of those first three days of just going hell for leather on these. Improvs. So what do you set up to then press go? Because
0: it's a bit John yeah. Cage to be like, all right, parameters are
1: yeah. us to this room, one hour. Yeah, so, uh, there was power play. We play with the idea of power play. Yeah. Um, which we had really different ideas at the beginning of what that was and we went into this improv. It was, we had a little, it was the downstairs, a downstairs room at Norpa, which probably where it still exists after the floods, I think got damaged yeah. pretty bad. But it had a little stage and it had a yeah. walls and it had a door at the back and it yeah. basically ended up becoming like the set that we built because we got so <laughs> fixed on this space, um, which is serendipity at work. But um, so we kind of, and we knew we were in an office. We picked a location Mm -hmm. to give it some grounding and that was a kind of clear choice that we wanted to make Um, even though the office is a total fiction in the work and we're in the theatre really Um, but so we we knew our kind of location we had you know officey things that we could play with so we would given ourselves and even I think we maybe went for we went to the op shop and bought some ties and already had some of those things to give ourselves a sense of not Mm. just being um, two dancers on the little stage that we had some trappings of a yeah. world um, yeah it's
0: actually trappings enable
1: yeah if they're
0: contextual yeah trappings is an interesting word isn't it because yeah. if you don't give yourself the trappings of the world that you're creating yeah. then you bring in and uh, and remain with the trappings of being two dancers in a space in yeah. the track is
1: yeah yeah sometimes they liberate you I think and Certainly that's been, I mean, it's something that we've obviously played with a lot since making Lawn and Roadkill. We had kind of locations, but then they would only be a kind of starting point Mm. for us to launch out from that Mm -hmm. location. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we started these improvisations and I remember early on that basically I was just a bit of an asshole from the beginning because Josh was kind of like with the improv thing that you say yes to each other. If someone offers something, you respond and you go with it. And I would say, it's a power play. So every time he offered something, I would just like basically destroy, ignore, contradict it, whatever. And then I would introduce my thing. And he kept jumping on board with me and I kept kind of saying no to anything that he offered. And that actually became this relationship that Mm. starts the piece somehow. Um, and so, yeah, so that was a kind of... And then he really suddenly very quickly learned what kind of I was doing. And then so this shift in power that started to just happen naturally over those next few days became also the whole topic of the piece and the way the power between us shifted and what that meant. Um, yeah, so we, we didn't start with a really clear objective or outcome. We just started somehow and then responded to what the environment had
0: yeah so there's some there's this thing where like you inherit some of the environment but then you select some of the environment yeah and you in you which means even selecting the people that you're there with mm. and the body that you but you inherit the body that you come with yeah. because of the other dancing that you've done and what you're capable of but then I really wonder about what the If we're not being outcome-focused or driven Mm -hmm. or led, then it's a hard distinction, unless it's maybe not hard for you, Mm. whether you're following your nose, Mm -hmm. you're going down this pathway, or whether you're chasing your tail. Yes, yeah. Do you, have you ever worked out
1: what the difference is? Like what, when it feels, which when which one feels like which? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know if I've ever been a particularly intelligent maker. Because I can see how I see it, like um, how, like Laurie for Laurie Young, like Grayson's partner, and she's uh, very strongly conceptual in her making. She, I think, I I I do like following my nose, and I mm. and I like having trust and in and using instinct as the main tool to work out where I'm going, and then. I mean, we we actually developed a process, I guess, that fitted that a little bit where we would split it up into sections so that in each section we could follow the instinct Uh, and responsiveness. And then you could take a seat back and then two months later you could look at what videos of what you did and see and objectively make decisions about where you are heading. Um, And, yeah, I do wonder sometimes, I'm like, oh, is it this kind of instinctive way of working and being responsive. I've become really good at kind of being responsive, but actually does it necessarily mean I'm making the right work or the best work, or am I just following a set of assumptions then Mm. um, that I've already made? Mm. And actually is that quality of being responsive, the best one, but I do I do question, I mean, I had it very much in Germany where I often, um, <laughs> I don't know if the if Germans and, and me, if we understood each other very well, because at first I was making work and they were really happy and it was really instinctive, you yeah. know, um, and it was coming out of my own experience and what I... Then I tried to engage more strongly with theater and their dramaturgs and stuff. And then I just was getting confused because, and I think they were confused by me because of what motivated me to make work. Mm -hmm. Because they're also very strongly conceptual and they they approach work from a very intellectual position. They want to kind of nut out everything and talk about it before making decisions to proceed. And I will always want to proceed and then do the talking and the nutting out later um Learning so they're the kind of out. yeah like, <laughs> once the nuts are out <laughs> then, then, then you know then what you're working with yeah exactly
0: well that's um, the thing either you're inventing through discussion <laughs> yeah and discussion is always a description of yeah or you're inventing via instinct and assumptions yeah. and reactions and responses but in context with your trappings hopefully yeah that you've chosen and then it becomes. Uh, verbally contextualised within your larger work and within society and yeah. cultural issues once it exists yeah. but if you start to ask something to defend
1: itself before it exists yeah. it's well you can make a seductive. decision on that and you can yeah. already have decided this is not the right way to go before you even know what it is yeah, 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 and that's a real trap and I've seen that yeah, a million times yeah. I mean it also presupposes all of this that we're the ones in charge of the work Mm. um and that's a that's always something that you know whether or not it's um just a liberating thought you know um like again I'm quoting Tom Waits a lot but he talks about the idea of picking up the radio signals know that he's like a radio antenna Um, so a song comes to him that he picks up a song so he always tells this story I've heard this story you know, about when he's driving on the freeway and he shouts and there's a song that's coming to him and he's like, he starts shouting at the song, um, leave me alone, can't you see I'm driving? Um, uh, You know, come back later or go and bother Leonard Cohen. (laughs) Something like this. So, um, you know, and I think there's, for me there's something in that, that actually I like not having the responsibility of being, of feeling like I have to... To generate. make the work and generate the yeah, work that yeah, yeah. that you're uncovering a work that's somehow Does already that mean existing. That it, it comes to
0: you. You he, like he's hearing this song. I think are yeah. you itching
1: with a move or it, like is I it mean, a vision? I mean, it's more about the. It's about for me. Often it feels like it's a show. It's yeah. like the show itself. Yeah. And you're trying to. We always talked about with Splinter Group and with Farm. We talked about the idea that none of us are directors of it, that actually the show itself is the director. We're trying to uncover and work out what it is and what it needs and how to feed it and how to grow it and that everybody who comes onto the project needs to also respond to what it is. So none of us are in charge. Mm. We're all... But some of us may know what it is better than others because we've been with it for longer. So it's a bit like raising an animal in a room and you're... You're trying to get everybody to see it, see the animal. Once they do, you don't have to worry anymore. It's like you can feel at the beginning of a process in a collaboration that you're maybe pulling in different directions. And then once that animal starts to show itself, you don't have that question anymore. You start to go, you know, what about this? And everybody knows. And you know as soon as you've said it that it's a stupid idea because it doesn't fit that animal. But it's that... um, that
0: analogy of seven blind people and they're all touching an elephant yeah but they're all touching a different part so they're describing it totally yeah. like this this one feels like shit and this one <laughs> feels like it's long and yeah. slimy yeah this one feels like it's got toenails yeah and they think that it's different <laughs> until it's not different but yeah. then the question comes back to how to deal with a collaborative situation where the thing that is produced will speak on your behalf yeah. for your career, yeah. which will impact your income and level of quality of eating and life. <laughs> <laughs> so in some sense, you you want to give your all to it, yeah. but you don't want to, you also need to know that you, just when you were talking about you've been with it for longer, so perhaps you know it better. Mm. But what is that feeling? And how do you not, convince yourself to like disregard somebody else that's come in to see this thing yeah
1: yeah or come in to question it or yeah I think you I mean you want to to keep questioning is very important yeah and actually yeah so right down to the end without I mean because you you have to challenge your own assumptions at every moment to a certain degree um so to actually switch off from people who are coming in to challenge your assumptions is a mistake, obviously. But you can't be completely destroyed by them either if you've got no. something that you feel yeah. That's is what there. I mean. and Somehow,
0: is the sometimes when people come in late, yeah, then they're asking questions that you've already put to bed. Yeah, and it's really I've noticed. I just did this recently. There's an incredible Sydney-based artist called Ivy Warren. Yeah, and she came in towards the end of the. I learned my cultural dance from YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> development. Yeah. And so we had three dancers that were there every day and then a different person would come every day or two days as a guest. Yeah. And they would start from scratch and we would just tell them the ritual yeah. formula and then we would all do it together to make ourselves aware of the assumptions we were unspokenly building. Yeah. yeah. And she was asking excellent questions that I no longer had the, because projects balloon before you start locking things yeah, down yeah. and so I'd reach my capacity and so I'd started locking shit down for yeah. my own sanity <laughs> and I was really watching myself get
1: defensive yeah. about being questioned on like why I put the dorm out of the door yeah yeah because you always get the questions it's only when you don't have an answer for those questions that yeah they're the ones that you really pay attention to um <laughs> yeah Mm. so but I mean it can be there has to be I mean making work is mm. that you have to choose you have to choose you can't put everything in a show yes like you uh, it's a simple equation that actually took me a long time to realise this that the most difficult thing is committing to a choice because you define yourself by those choices not by the where you're kind of like doing everything that you can think Mm -hmm, of or mm -hmm including every possibility or every choice, def- you define your work and the work itself is defined by the choices that you make in yeah. where it proceeds to and what you leave out yeah. actually is as important as what you put yeah. in. And there's and something
0: nice about definition doesn't have to be reductive. It's, you're allowed to define so that you may refine a yeah. section or a movement or a phrase or a show or a title. But that doesn't mean that it now is only a singular thing yeah. for everybody that comes and watches No, it. totally. But I it's mean, really easy to forget, yeah. to, to hold on to ambiguity as if it is more generative than, yeah. than any kind of definition. Yeah. But actually, if you've got this co-creating team that are all touching that elephant blindly <laughs> and they eventually work out the shape of it, yeah. then all of your definitions only actually have to be Coherent, mm. not necessarily cohesive. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so people will come and see the show and they will see, say for um, Roadkill, they'll see Sarah Jane's show or yeah. someone else will see Luke Smile's show.
1: Yeah. And they're all watching the same well, show. Well, it's like, yeah, totally. And actually, if, <clears throat> you know, like Cockfight's very clear, feels very clear to us what it is, what it's about. We still have when we went to Cairns. These uh, are Cairns, gay Queen, like Cairns, Cairns, Cairns Queensland. in Queensland Not like Cairns Not Film Cannes, Festival Not Cairns
0: <laughs> That's what I was like it
1: Could be No we, we took it up to Cairns Okay Cairns Cairns yeah. Cairns And uh, we performed it up there And there was a gay couple that came Because there was a The queer I know The queer film festival Or queer festival They thought this was a part Because oh. it was called Cockfight Yeah of course <laughs> They assumed it was no, part of the Queer festival fight. So they came with their own Agenda with it and basically, they saw a show about a gay couple, yeah. um, where the older guy yeah. gets AIDS and oh. slowly, you know, is dying and, and needs a support frail. and becoming more frail and wow. and he, the weight of that falls on the younger man, kind of thing. Which, and they they cried watching it and they loved it. They came out to like the jazz club with us afterwards and stuff, and they were just totally in, into it all. Um, It was a totally different reading, but actually I could see how you could get there too. (laughs) And I was kind of like... And actually there's a beauty in that, Mm. this bringing... Because, I mean, it's a classic thing, I guess, that that work of art is completed by the viewing of it. not Mm. It's not completed by what you've done in the rehearsal room. It's completed with the audience. And they're always going to take and interpret things their own way. You can't control them. No. Which is... I think a really good thing that you can't control them. Yeah, <laughs> it is because you would stuff it up. Yeah, yeah. You'd give them no. all the wrong shit. No, you can have. I mean, that would be another work right, where you just actually ask them what they think, and then you just tell just them one no, audience And you tell them under a spotlight yeah. in a <laughs> dark room, and then you tell them
0: they're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> until they're set, until they're convinced that it was an excellent show. Yeah, <laughs> and then someone asks them what happened, they just have to say, I wouldn't know. understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh.
1: Well, then that. Takes did this uh, us to, to woman that came in and saw the show? Did she, um, did she keep working with you? And did she actually come on board with the same elephant, or did she pick a different elephant?
0: Uh, well, because the, the the way it came about was that I had four wages, yeah. and I could only find three appropriate people. Yeah. So you had a floating way. I had a floating way. What a, what a <laughs> rare thing. And so I ended up splitting that amongst people who were appropriate but not available. Yeah. Um, and she was That's one cool. of those people. Uh, yeah, I think it didn't even matter if she did or not. No. I think in the end, what we had was her thinking mind and her thinking body take hold of this thing for long enough to leave an impression on it yeah. and give it back to us. Yeah. And that's quite a privilege because it's not, like, n- not everybody is uh, ready or prepared to be useful.
1: Mm.
0: Not everybody's body or not everybody's mind or not everybody's ego has gone through all of the sculpting and digressing and reevaluating and crises. <laughs> well,
1: and also, I mean... If they- question we built this for in supercell the festival in brisbane last year we did a workshop on criticism called the c word um and uh Mm -hmm. basically we came okay and we were like okay we're gonna do a workshop on criticism and i know a friend of lori's had done something that we kind of were considering doing but it's a much longer process of where you devise Something yourself, you open it, and you have to comment. The other people in the room comment, but they in the it's about how you comment on things and how you view. um So their comment cannot ever say that you like or dislike something. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to just describe it, and it's kind of a way to give to show how to give feedback on so But actually, I, we're also going okay. That's a very that's one specific thing. What we realized that we wanted to talk on is almost like a kind of that, this weird anthropological thing. By looking at uh, the idea of criticism, you actually review yourself and realize how you view art and how you view it and how much of your own baggage you take in when you yeah. watch something. Um, and I know, like, if you're, especially if you're making a show, you're sometimes, and you go and see something in the same world as you or in you know if you're making a dance show and you go and see another someone else's dance show you're the worst possible viewer they can ever probably have because you're taking in all of the things that you are trying to do with you yeah and then with you're your going to judge show. there yeah. and you're actually not watching their show half the time no. um and so i think yeah sometimes we are the worst viewers of each other's work i felt that i've gone to shows that my f- my
0: friends or colleagues have been dancing in and i felt such outrage at their uh casting or treatment or the way that they would in mortal engine yeah for example this show that gideon made at chunky move the dancers some of my friends were working so hard but it didn't matter the lights were enough, and they could have done half the amount of work. or paid yep. the same fee, <laughs> <laughs> and it would have affected us the same. Yep. And I was too outraged then; I couldn't see the show. Yeah, as I, on their behalf, I was outraged.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, because it's all about your perspective and whether yeah. you're open, and whether you're viewing it. And what mood are you yeah. in? And yeah. did you get a parking ticket on the way there? Even you <laughs> yeah. know, that, all of that stuff matters. And There's, um, and actually, you just got to be aware of it too when you're if you dismiss a piece maybe you're not dismissing it for the right reasons or Mm. and so part of it is to know and that's what we realize that part of this idea of criticism is to know when to give when to receive um and basically to know like okay i'm not the right person to to necessarily say this or this is not the right moment to say it and when do you do it and but also the value of it because yep. in the end, we tend to uh, probably chicken out yep. of doing it, and therefore people are, don't receive actually what may be really useful to them. Yeah.
0: The um, Angela Go has an ongoing project called Predictable Dancers. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'll make the wording wrong, but it's on her website where she will go to a psychic and tell the psychic on this date at this time, I will perform a dance. Please look into the future and tell me and predict what that dance is going to be. Yeah. And then Do they, and
1: they give the psychic
0: it. records the yeah. session yep. and then Angela works out and then goes and gets all the props that the psychic says or the songs and edits yep. them and the costume oh, and great. learns the moves. And then when the time comes, tells the audience that she's fulfilling the prediction and then does the dance. Yeah. And so all of the things that usually take up somebody's brain when they're experiencing dance, which is questions of authorship and social responsibility and cultural appropriation and capital and the body and the politicization of the body and genders, all of that has to drop away because yeah. nobody made those decisions. Yeah. It was a prediction Yeah. and she's fulfilling yeah like meeting fate. does she
1: feel like um, when she does it how much of the taste of the <laughs> the theatrical taste of that particular psychic um, influenced the work yeah I don't know
0: I can't yeah. speak on her I just love the effect that yeah, it has on the audience because all all you can do then as an audience is have an
1: experience of dance yes. becoming yeah and without judgement or the same judgement yeah right?
0: you can't you can't um, begin to wonder
1: about yeah. uh, taste or excellence or rehearsal or execution. Or there's something you get that with, obviously, when you watch improvisation too. You judge it in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And often you feel, yeah, often you feel when you watch an improvisation oh, like you could never repeat that. There would yeah. never be able to make that. But is that because of your evaluation uh, of it? I don't because know. it's a improvisation I a relationship
0: because i think yeah. most things eventually take on an aesthetic and i think contemporary dance improvisation for performance has also taken on yeah. an aesthetic and if you improvise outside of that aesthetic it's very easy to be dismissed as if it's not improvisation in the same way that indie rock used oh, to be yeah. independent rock and now it's an aesthetic it's a sound it's like yeah. a certain set of instruments
1: do you think that would change from place to place because those set of assumptions that yeah. shape a dance language are so different, and yeah. everyone's in, we're all in such little bubbles, yeah, I mean um, I think it because I think there's a bubble like there's bubbles in Australia yeah. of presumption, and that's actually and there's bubbles in Berlin, mm. you know, and there may be slightly bigger bubbles depending on where you are there's a very small bubble around us where we are, um, maybe there's there's probably only partially our own little bubble that we're in at the moment on the yeah, Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. Um, but contemporary dance
0: is such like a, a fallout of colonialism. That's the way it spread in the first place, like ballet first, but then hmm. because contemporaries become subsumed as an extension of it, unfortunately, rather than yeah. a rebellion against it. <laughs> the same institutions are still reclaiming it. But then it's now this middle-class pursuit and the middle class in australia at least have access to travel mm. and education and exposure and so it's like a, a key complaint from william is that everybody looks the same because everybody finds out what yeah. they need to be good at and then they'd be good at it yeah and then when they all show up to his audition yeah they now know they now
1: know well, how to do yeah yeah I mean, that's <laughs> homogenisation, which is a kind of global concern, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, when I did... When I was in India teaching these workshops yeah. last year, um, the guy who was running them, Terence Lewis, is like on the So You Think You Can Dance India. Wow. Um, he's like a... He's a kind of big... He was a Bollywood choreographer as well. Oh. He has his own contemporary company. So he's a bit of a star in India, as you can imagine, because it's huge. Yeah. The so You Think You Can Dance India is... Just massive thing. Because they have so many dance styles. And he was like, he showed us video. We watched I think we watched an episode or something. And there was some of like really they're dancing in such different ways. Mm. And they're all because a lot of them they're learning their stuff. They're very poor often. They're learning there was a guy certainly who was basically had learned obviously Michael Jackson. um, he'd seen it on the internet and then he would learned and taught himself so it was a version like Michael Jackson but also of nothing I'd ever seen before at the same Mm. time because they don't have access they don't have they have a limited amount of access and they're using that to learn and to study but then they're also isolated and just pursuing it their own way so you see these weird and wonderful ways of moving because of that and it's not homogenized Mm. actually um, and it was really it was incredible to actually see and it is yeah I can imagine it's a danger that we all start to move in a certain way as opposed to basically yeah. finding this individual language or yeah I mean, and
0: where I mean, is it coming from then where does it, Where's it like, come from Well, it comes from being employable yeah and so, how do you be employable? You be versatile. Yeah. And but actually, you be
1: I mean,. Versatile in the same seven dance styles. One of the things I started to, which I think actually then uh, I found out later something that Meg Stewart was kind of into. So it may sound like I'm ripping off Meg, but Word. I think she ripped off me. Okay. <laughs> um, no, no, basically, this idea, I got it really interested in this yeah. idea that there was an intrinsic way of moving in you, in each yeah. of us, yeah. that is beyond. I mean, beyond kind of all the things you've learned and put onto yourself throughout the years, that there's something that, and it's a way of moving that comes from inside. And It's a slightly esoteric
0: impulse-driven improvisation
1: is to find that. Yeah, and Um, actually, I did do, and I started to refine the way to kind of look for it. Um, Did you ever feel like you? uh, Well, I did it with. Uh, I did it with Kate and Alice and yeah. these two actors from the house in Theatre Freiburg. Yeah. Um, and actually what was really clear is was it was a much harder pursuit for the dancers than it was for the actors. Because I... the dancers very quickly understand what looks good. Yes. And they know, so they, I would watch it when it was happening that yeah. we'd go through this process and I would see them find, kind of discover something that was really interesting that felt like it was really unique and really coming out from inside out and then I'd watch it as slowly they would make it into something that they knew almost and it would change in front of your eyes whereas the actors could just stay with the feeling of what it was and weren't. they didn't have an outside perspective in the same way on their body so they didn't change it as much. Um, That's my
0: uh, confrontation with myself hmm. about I like dogmatically don't believe that there's an intrinsic way of moving that we mm. learn everything. do we? But then, of course, like even down to breathing, I think a lot of people breathe in a way that doesn't serve them. And it's just what you pick up from the people around you.
1: Think about breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody that's listening now, just take a moment to breathe.
0: But at the same time...